Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, DJs and DJs of the future, this episode of the podcast is supported by Bitwax, the online vinyl store that accepts cryptocurrencies as payments alongside standard card payments. I used to own a record shop many years ago and still have a solid vinyl collection in my studio today. There's nothing better than receiving your favourite new track through the post, peeling off the plastic and actually touching the music. Go to www.bitwax.co.uk and treat yourself today. You can find more episodes of this podcast, including chats with James Hype, PBH, Alex Ross, Hannah Lang, Ben Rainey, and many more on iTunes, Spotify, and on Mixcloud. Simply search Felix Leiter in the house. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review or drop us a rating on your listening platform of choice, especially iTunes. If you're listening now on your phone, pull it out, drop us a five-star review with a lovely comment. Also, why not spread the love and pass the pod on to a fellow DJ or music lover? Just grab the link from the podcast or the episode you enjoyed and stick it in some group chats or slide into some DMs. In this episode, I talked to Louis Dunmore about his first memories of music, the early stages of his fast-moving DJ career and the creation of the Dunmore Brothers brand. Louis also talks about the experience of putting on his own night for the first time whilst at university in Newcastle and his plans for the future. Louis is a lovely guy and with an exciting future for sure. He was super interesting to talk to, so let's get into it. Felix Leiter's In The House, the podcast about DJs, what they do and who they are. Okay, joined today by Louis Dunmore. Hiya. In the house, in yes. my house. Uh, and we're going to kick off where we always kick off, which is what are your earliest memories of just hearing music? Like, was it in the car? Was it in the house? Was it an older brother or sister or whatever? Like, where, just earliest, earliest, way before DJ, way before, like, you know, house music, just earliest memories of music? Was, I would say it was literally, like, the earliest I can probably remember is, like, every Saturday morning, more or less, we would wake up and um, my dad would just be basically blaring music out of his record room. And so... Like if we ever wanted to lie in or anything like that, that was not a not an option for us because we would be yeah woken up by by beats from probably about half eight in the morning. So I'd say that's like that's as. So that's what sort of early. age is this? For as literally as right, long as, long as, as I can remember, remember. yeah. Okay. For as long as I can remember, it's been waking up waking up in the morning. Like even on school days as well, we just walk walk into his record room and he'd be playing music, always listening to music. So I would say just mainly around the house is my earliest memory of music for sure. And, for and sure. was that like, was that house music or was your dad playing like all kinds of stuff? It was mainly, mainly house music, disco and soul basically. So it was like those kind of three. And so I suppose like just for as long as I can remember, like I ha- have been just uh, surrounded by those three genres mainly. And then mainly house music, I would say. It's really funny because you sort of like, you sort of, or I could, you sort of pre- answer so many of like the first questions on this podcast normally because then we sort of get into like going um you know oh, well the next question is quite a cool one isn't it so I normally then sort of go like can you remember the first um piece of music that you felt like was yours like do you remember like having a piece of vinyl or a cd or like or are you even that generation where the first bit of music of yours was downloaded like what was the first yeah, time that you can I remember think... something that was yours and yours to play you know what I mean to yourself I think I my earliest memory is I was still at um 
uh, still at primary school and I think I just been I just got my first um MP3 player. Okay. And I think it was the first the first album that I got on it and it was uh, Lily Allen actually. Nice. And I remember I remember that's my earliest memory. I was sat in the car and it was the first time I'd really had my headphones on with this MP3 player that cool. I just got and I was listening to a bit of Lily Allen. And that so. was like that wasn't even an iPhone, that was just a straight up MP3, MP3 player. player. Yeah. And yeah. did you like so what would you have done? Would you have downloaded it onto your computer or something and put it onto the MP3 player? Because you wouldn't have been buying it on the MP3 no, player. No. Yeah, it would have, I imagine it would have been done like that, but I can't remember. And then have you ever had like, if you, after that, did you ever then get a bit of physical music or have you just been digital like all your life really? Uh, the majority of the time I would say has been digital, but like that during where I was younger, younger, I do remember still going into HMV and, yeah. and bits like that. Um, especially with dad. Um, but predominantly, like everything that I can remember buying myself has been uh, digital. And did you ever, if you, did you ever, because of like, um, your dad and stuff, did you ever then start to collect records or did that never really interest you? Um, is in the vinyl kind yeah. of side of the side of it. I, no, I never would, would really okay. say that I kind of got into that as much. I would say that actually kind of getting into, finding my own records and like make and my own collections that's actually come about probably much more recently okay cool um yeah i'd say from a young younger age i wasn't as much collecting music but i was still like surrounded yeah. by it the whole time for sure so the next question is like it like normally stumps loads of people not stumps people but they yeah. normally kind of go what so the next question is in, in the linear of it is normally like when were you first aware that like someone was a DJ? Do you know what I mean? Like someone's job was a DJ. Now it's a bit different for you. <laughs> and we've already touched on it. Yeah. But like, so I guess I'll reframe the question slightly because being a, a kid, you're obviously aware that your dad's got a record room and everything else. When did you sort of becoming aware that I guess that it was his job and he like, you know, like, like as opposed to just being music, yeah. I guess like, was there a point when he talked to you about it? Like, when did you see the first picture of your dad playing out? Or like, when did that start to fuse in your head a little bit? I suppose like being like always, always exposed and always around a bit. Like we never really kind of questioned, I suppose, like to what it was. Yeah. And we just like always were told, oh, it's like my dad's in the music industry and he's a DJ and like owns a label. And then, um, and then that was kind of it. We didn't really, it takes you a while to kind of comprehend like what mixing actually is and like the the point of it and why there is a DJ. Yeah. Um, but I mean, and we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah, sure. But I mean, um, it's so hard when something is just your reality, like yeah. to, to go like, when did you know someone's a DJ? And you're like, well, forever. Yeah. Cause my dad was DJ in the house. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It's, Cause it's like I say, it throws this podcast off. Like, cause the normal linear of it is a little bit different really. Yeah. And like, so, was, was there a point when, like, did you, so obviously you mentioned Lily Allen and stuff. Was there a point when you were like, weren't listening to, cause obviously you're a house music DJ now. We'll come on to that later. But like, was there a point when you were like, don't really get this music and I like this music more like like even like Ryan McDermott the day was saying you know he was a big Oasis fan and then everything else mm. or was was there always a point when you were like into Lily Allen and also into like House and Disco or did they converge or like I would I would kind of say that everything just kind of goes like via school trends basically okay. and so like you'd go into school and it was just like from a young age even like what your just what your friends were listening to and the majority of the time that just happened to be um, like the radio on the way to school in the yeah. morning. And then so the majority of the time, like for my school, it was like everyone listened to Capital. And then so when I was really young, I think it was like 
that yeah, so it's capital FM to different pop charts and, and, and yeah, yeah. All, all that kind of stuff. And I say that the list, the music that I listened to as I was going through school was very much just influenced by what everyone else was listening to at the time. And yeah. maybe the kind of music that was played at like certain parties that we went to. Yeah. Um, and then, so I'd say it's, it was obviously always listening to house music at home. Yeah. <laughs> it's very different to what I would go and listen to yeah. um, at school or by myself. Um, but then, so I'd just say it took a while to kind of develop into predominantly. Being, yeah. Do you remember like the, cause was there a point when you either a, wanted to have a go in your dad's record room or yeah. was there a point when he be took you into the record room and showed because you've you, you've got a brother right is yes. he are you the same yeah. are you the same no um my brother is actually so he's 16 and i'm because i was because i don't really yeah. know you very well at all like you know cross paths or whatever newcastle but like and so when i saw like, the dunmore brothers thing mm. i was like looking at pictures of you and i was like they could be twins. A lot of people, Maybe. a lot of people <laughs> ask that as well. I know because yeah, I mean, obviously it's not disrespectful to either one no. of you, and but I wasn't going to start digging for ages. But I was just looking at you know general pictures on your Instagram, yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. like, could they be twins? Well, so, you basically look the same, except I have slightly more facial hair, and that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> and are you are you the oldest then? Do, yes, right. Yeah, okay, because I have a sister that's um, she's nineteen. Okay, all right. So so you okay? So you, sorry, because I do sometimes think that like. I'm an only child, right? But time and time again on this podcast, like the older brother or sister thing has totally influenced someone's music. Yeah. So if you're the old, so you like the oldest in the family. So do you remember a time when you wanted to play with like, you know, or use your dad's equipment? Or was so it? It was actually quite like, so dad's obviously we were always aware of everything that was going on, but he very much left it down to our own decision as to whether cool. we wanted to be in, to even be interested in it, to, go down as like that kind of route if we even like that kind of genre of music yeah. and so it was actually at one Christmas time I think I must have been about 16 maybe and my brother a bit younger and we got off our actual first set of decks which were um it was like a pioneer all-in-one and um yeah. did you ask of, for it or was it just given it was kind of and my brother was actually expressing more interest. And okay. I think, so that, that was the, as the reason as to why we got them. But, okay. um, they were a present for all three of us. And so they were just cool. basically like there. And it was just like, if you want, if you obviously want to use them, then you can. And then, so it was just a case of like, it was just a completely brand new of kit that none of us had any idea what any of the buttons did, <laughs> uh, what anything did. And so it was just, um, about just like we would go in there like at odd points maybe one of us at one time another point another time and just like try things out and kind of okay experiment with it and so I'd say that's how we that's how we actually got into um the playing side of it and then obviously the more it went on then the more we would go and ask dad things and then so it just kind of went back and forth cool. but initially like it did just start off with and it would be very sporadically that we would go and do it but it would just be messing around. Did you like say this literally. was about your 16th birthday, like around that age? Did you say I would say, Christmas? yeah, that's when okay. we got given them. And then I wouldn't actually say that, I'd say I was probably like mid 17 until I actually properly say that I started to learn to mix. And I'd say my brother was even a bit before that. And he cool. kind of showed me different bits and how different bits were done, which is strange him being the younger one. But yeah. So, so did nice. it, because then some, again, like some of the other questions are like, you know, when was the first time you remember? Like, again, this is a normal question is, 
when's the first time you remember seeing someone DJ, like physically DJ? Now, obviously, there's a, there's, a, there's a point when you've just seen your dad in the record room, right? But when's the first time, were you taking a see your dad play? Or like, or is the first time you saw a DJ not in your dad's record room, was that a house party? Would that have been a gig? Or like, was there a point you remember there seeing? Were, there were, I say the first memory I have, and I literally have, I have no idea how old I was at this point, but I it was a we went to go and see Basement Jacks at Dalt Villa in Ibiza, nice. and um, I think we were quite young at this point because my my brother was really young and actually had to be taken home by my mum early. But that was the first kind of memory okay. I have of being kind of at like a gig or exposed to a DJ. Cool. Um, I was you that playing? No, he wasn't playing. Okay. Do you have a clear memory of like seeing your dad DJ like like in front of people for the first time? Not off the top of my head, to be okay, honest. That's cool. Yeah, not not one specific, but I can kind of maybe pinpoint certain points. So I think they they did. Um, I remember being at the Roundhouse in London they, for a night for iTunes Festival. I think Defected had um, a night there quite a while ago. To be fair, so I think that was one of the first times cool. that I remember seeing him play. I would say. And was there was there a point where like so you sort of mentioned that you got those that all in one controller thing? Yeah, and you were you know maybe starting to starting to really get a little bit interested into it when you're sort of like 17, 18. Were you like DJ, like, was there a point when you were like, I want to DJ a house party? Was there a point when you kind of like, did any of that? Like, when was the first point that you were really like, "Mm, yeah, I really quite fancy doing this now? I would, I would say it was, it was probably a gradual process. So like I learned, I learned to mix, well, not very well, but um, I would say probably, around like eight, I went probably around when I was 18. Yeah. And then at that point as well, I was also revising for my exams and that. So I'd say I probably used mixing as a bit of a way to kind of escape exams. And cool. Uh, what's, yeah. what's the word? What's the word? Procrastinate. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would always, I'd say that's when I actually kind of started to pick up most interest in it, just <laughs> via pure procrastination and not wanting to revise. But, yeah. <laughs> Come on, dad. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Um, no, it was, I mean, it was just, we just sort of, my, my interest, I guess, is just, is at what point, like, you really decided that you wanted to, like, DJ out. Do you know what I mean? Like, you wanted to, like, what, can you remember the first time that you played, that you DJed to a crowd? I don't mean like a big crowd, I don't mean like, did you? I mean, like, to anyone, like, at a house party or like, do you remember the first time you sort of DJed records for the first time that wasn't just in your dad's mixing room kind of thing? Yeah, I would say that would actually be the first time that I played to my friends was when I had a house party, not this Christmas, but last Christmas. So okay. only only actually about maybe a year and a few months ago. Cool. So that's that was the first time I could say I played to a group of maybe even thirty people. Okay. And um yeah, it was at our it was at our house party and so that was a, that was the first time that I can really remember saying that I did that. And then it was in February last year that I got my first um club gig in Newcastle. So okay. basically what happened was I um I came up to you I managed to convince mum, dad and my brother that I could bring um the controller up to up to uni <laughs> with me. And so it was just something that I liked all throughout first first term at uni I just spend like in my room probably really annoying my flatmates, yeah. bla- blasting music. And then I got my first gig yeah, February last year in um it was actually in Purdue in Newcastle. Cool. And then um I went on to do that weekly. So I played a, like a five hour slot every Friday evening. Classic. Um, in like the, the smoking area a bit. Yeah. And I would say that, that 
that during the period of February up until about end of May, I did that fairly consistently. And I'd say that playing the five hours each week just really built up my practice hours. And then obviously, and having to play music for that long just kind of meant that I had to go through various different genres. And that was where I really kind of learned to, to mix and, and how to go through different genres. And so that's why I say really kind of, it's a, it's like, it's a really, it's a really, um, like frequent story, like like James Hype tells the same thing. He got his like first residency at some bar in, UK, in Liverpool. We had to play like six hours a night every night. And, you know, same deal. Like Ryan was sort of talking about even recently about Loaders and Sunderland. Like it's that same thing. I have that same memory of a gig that I got in a bar in Carlisle yeah. doing six hours a night every like you know like once a week every week and you're like every week you go home and look for more music because you didn't quite have the right bit at the right time and yeah, everything yeah. else and or you didn't get the reaction that you thought you were going to get. Um, Oh, that's that's really interesting. And like, so, and what are you studying at uni? Uh, business management. And do you like? So, when you kind of came to uni, the the like, where was your mindset as far as like, where was being a DJ in in the mindset? Was it like, was it the top? Was it at the side? Was it on a back burner? Was it like, do you like when you went to when you applied for uni? Were you like, music's going to be part of my future, or is it like? So I always. Just being exposed like to around clubs for a young age, like music has always been something that I've been passionate about, really passionate about. And I would say that before it was DJing, it was like going out. Like I absolutely love going out, listening to music. I mean, I've been, I'd say the first time I probably went out was to Amnesia in Ibiza when I was 15. <laughs> Not uh, that first club. No. So I, that was my first, first club that I ever went out to. And I went, I, and dad took me there. And, um, so having always been exposed the music and ha- and loving the music but not necessarily playing it i yeah. knew that i needed to be in a city that had a lot going on yeah i was gonna ask you about yeah, that like so, about choosing newcastle or- yeah so that was that was the reason as to why i picked newcastle not necessarily uh, on like the dj side of it but just the fact that it was a like a good city for music it had yeah. like <coughs> some great artists come up here play regularly so i like in terms of going out like i would be enjoying the nightlife but then when I came to uni I would say so during the first time especially I, I came I didn't actually know many people know anyone up here really so I came up from um down south like without many without any friends to be fair because a lot of people to, come to Newcastle uni who know a lot of people from, yeah but that you didn't find that like no so I I literally I all of my friends like stayed a bit further down south some okay. of them went up to Scotland and I was the only only one in Newcastle so it's literally like a fresh start okay and then um so I kind of said I was just like right during the first term I'm not gonna try and DJ I'll just stick it stick to the bedroom because I want to just focus on like making friends learning the city yeah kind of getting to know my whereabouts like if I would potentially like to play like where it may be yeah so I wouldn't say that coming to coming to uni like DJing was at the forefront but it was always but music was definitely at the forefront and then DJing was kind of on the side just if it were, if the opportunity was there for sure. And then, um, yeah. So then I got my first gig at Purdue and then I, I did that. For so a how while. did you, how did, how did that come about then? Cause obviously like, you know, it's not, I don't think it's an elephant in the room. The Dunmore name is obviously going to help and it has, you know, definitely benefits and I'm sure some neg- negatives, but, ever. For sure, for but sure. I don't think with Purdue, that's a big thing. Like, so, so how did you go about, you know, getting that first gig? Like, and this is, a, this isn't just you asking mm. on this question. Cause I think it's important for people who don't have gigs to find out how you get them. So yeah. how did you go about getting it? How, um, like, 
Well, so when I, I say, but kind of before you come to uni, like it's quite a common thing to get messaged by promoters and just to see if you're <laughs> up for, uh, up for, uh, promoting for them or yeah. for DJing or whatever it may be. And so I kind of, and how many so were I, you messaged by? Actually, only, <laughs> I was, I was, only Bammy. <laughs> I, um, I was messaged by, um, a company, Jaluminati. Yeah. And, and actually they were, they were the, um, the first like that messaged me to be fair. And then um, I met up with a few of the boys that worked there during Freshers Week. And then, sorry? Joey. Yeah, I met up with Joey. <laughs> um, Joey during the first week of um, of um, Freshers. And then from there, it was just like, we were always talking and then, and he was always like, if you ever feel like when, when you basically want to play, like they will have like a, a set for you somewhere. But then obviously I didn't want to do anything during the first term. Yeah. And then, so it kind of came about in the second time. So I did. So I played at Purdue um, all up until May, and then. But that first gig was it like? Was it was it like a you know like was it a free gig just to test it out? Was it like was it already nailed on that you can do it every week? Like how did yeah? That so it was actually. I started off. Um, did I just did like a two hour slot or maybe an hour and a half on a Wednesday? Cool. Um, and then with the and then if that had gone well, then I would take over that kind of room on the Fridays, cool. which didn't previously have music in it. But they were like, if you want to take it on as your challenge, then you can. And yeah. so, um, yeah, so I was lucky for them to be to give me the like the reins to do that. And what sort of stuff were you playing in there? Like, were you given free reign to to play what you wanted? Were you given like, some guidelines? Yeah, so they, it was basically disco to tech house as the night progressed. So I would yeah. start off playing like quite light disco, and then as the night went on, then it would just would get a bit heavy. But I'd say in terms of my selection at that point, it was. Um, probably much more on like the well-known side of, yeah, of disco to house, set yeah. house and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, I, they gave me basically free reigns and quite a lot of trust to, to do what I would like with it. Cool. Um, yeah. And it was wicked. And then I got approached by, um, I didn't get approached. Sorry. I was meeting a friend, one of my friends, Ben Sterling for, um, a drink. Um, one evening when he was playing at, um, for a company called Block Party. And then when I went to go meet him, it happened that the promoter was also there at Mike. the same time. No, it was, um, at the time it was a guy <clears throat> called Rufus. Oh yeah. And then, um, I got, um, I basically got chatting to him and then I got, I got my first gig at Block Party that summer. I think they did a cool. block, block by the river. Yeah. And then, um, so yeah. And then that was basically it for my Newcastle first year, just playing, at, um, Newcastle and then the one gig at Block Party. And what did you do? Like, so that summer, did you go and do, did you go and have a, did you go to Ibiza? Did you, did you get any gigs out there? Or did you, so, was just friends, was just holidays with friends or what? Did anything happen over that? That's so, so, sorry, just to clarify, yeah, that, you've had your first year, you've done your Purdue, your Purdue stuff, you did a block party, but did you do anything else DJ wise over that summer or? Yeah, so that, that, this was kind of the summer that, um, the majority of stuff was created, was actually came about, um, in terms of Dunmore Brothers. And I think it was, early July and um dad had a gig had like an early gig in Camden from eight till ten and so we were just at home it was like a nice summer's day and I got um and I was just kind of like chatting to the promoter a little bit because he's one of our mates and he basically said that there was a spare slot at the end and there's a spare hour slot and that he had seen that my brother and I had been DJing and that basically if we wanted to come down and play the last hour and so we're like, okay, wicked. This is literally like. Does Dunmore Brothers exist at this point? Yeah. No. Okay, cool. It didn't exist at this point. And so we were literally 
we were going up to London anyway. We were shopping, and so we were like just about to leave the house, and we had like nothing prepped or nothing planned, and got this message. So I was like, okay, just let's grab our USBs and then go up to London and see if it happens. So then and check with Dad, and Dad was okay with it. And then so because it was a London gig, there was quite a lot of my dad's staff that came down to watch as well, and yeah. um, we actually got there by the time we got there we didn't realize it was actually quite high pressure situation for us <laughs> that we didn't realize it would be that's right yeah mean. and so we were kind of we were very nervous going into it for sure like first few mixes were shape of word well, so in, so last hour is this like are we talking like one or two in the morning six or seven in the morning no so it was an early evening gig okay. so dad played from eight till ten yeah um and then we played from 10 to 11. Oh, basically. cool. Right. Okay. So, it was, so you uh, went on after your dad. Nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even more, even more. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So, but I mean, we played like, um, very much kind of like classic, classic house, like what much more like well-known stuff. And yeah. it actually like the atmosphere was amazing. Like we got such a good reaction and like everyone was like properly supportive and helpful. But I mean, it was. Have you, done like, many it gigs? was have you done many gigs before? Like, so what's your brother's name? Lucas. So have you, have you done like? Have you and Lucas done back to back? So do you like? And um, we just bedroom back to backs. We never okay. played out before together. And okay. So this was the first time that we had played out together. Um, and I mean, it was a high pressure audience. We had shapeshifters watching. <laughs> um, Dad was watching. Um, yeah. Um, so it was. It was amazing. definitely. Um, thrown in a bit more at the deep, deep end. end yeah, but sure. um, I mean, we cut, as soon as we finished. Um, I mean, I think we we were really happy with the reaction we got from the crowd and everything like that. And then as soon as we finished, we were like, we were just told like, right, your social media page is being set up now, and this <laughs> and this is being set up, and then like, so we can hopefully see this going, hopefully see this going somewhere. But I mean, Dad wouldn't have let us do the gig had had he think we were ready for it. So okay. um, he he did say to us that. Um, so, thought, so, thought, so, so at the time last summer, mm-hmm. you would have been how old would you have been? I was nineteen. So Lu- Lucas would have been fifteen. Wow. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. I was just no, to check no, out. I know. Yeah. So I was nine. I was nineteen. He was fifteen. I think is that right? No, I was twenty. He was fifteen. Wow. Yeah. 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 Sorry, Sean. What did your dad say? Um. So he d- he did say that he was um confident in the fact that like we had the ability and that he wouldn't have let us do it had he not think that because with with us doing it it's quite a lot of eyes on us um, yeah with us being his like with us being his children maybe you say that there's a bit more expectation um and so therefore like we have to kind of have to show that we are yeah ready and good enough to to be doing it so we did that and then our second gig <laughs> was probably a bit more of a high pressure situation because we, we just, we were going out to Ibiza and then I think it was about two weeks later, we were playing Mambo in Ibiza. So nice. we were playing, we were meant to play back to back with dad, but I think dad just jumps on for a few records and then kind of just let us, do it. let us go for it. And so, I mean, in between that, um, the gear, the first gig, which was at Solomon's Yard in Camden. So yeah. Probably two weeks later at Mambo, I think Lucas and I were just literally prepping the whole time, nice. just practicing the whole time. Um, and then, yeah, so that was another very quite high pressure situation. I mean, the car journey to Mambo was, <laughs> was, was tense to say the least. Yeah. Was that, was yeah. your dad in the car as well? Yeah. Amazing. All, the whole family Amazing. was in the car. Um, 
and yeah, and then so we we had that, and then um, so how long did you play at Mambo for? Uh, about an hour and a half, cool. I'd say. And um, was it like a pre? Was it a defective pre-party, or was it just like a yeah a defective pre-party? And then we went on um, just after sunset to, to, to Eden. You went, oh, you went cool. Just after sunset, um, yeah. And then obviously the part of the party was at Eden later on. Um, so we did we did that, and fortunately that went um, that went really well. But yeah, again, it was a kind of a lot. Like, Similar situation as in a lot of eyes. So did you? So did you then? So here's here like just getting caught up in the fucking magic there for a bit. But coming back to kind of like the reality of this podcast and why I asked the questions. So you guys had had like a controller um, when you played at like those two gigs, the first two gigs, and they were quite like they were put on you quite quickly. Did you use the same controller? Did you have to switch to to CDJ? How did you find that? Or what was um, the we basically, so during, during the time when we were back at home on over holiday and at any opportunity we could. So I, because I took the controller to uni, yeah. it, it meant that dad wasn't too happy because, because <laughs> Lucas was just practicing on dad's decks. So cool. Right. Was, okay. So Lucas was on the, the CDJs yeah. from that point anyway. Right? Yeah. So dad and Lucas were fighting for the record room at that point. And then, um, I learned, I played on CDJs at, at Purdue. Purdue, right? Okay, that makes sense. Right. Yeah, so okay, I yeah. played on CDJs at Purdue, and then also over the holidays as well. Came and was out. the the original controller a, a pioneer anyway? It was. So, so you, and it was like, and it was um, one of the big ones. It was an art. So you get, first yeah. RX, so you so get in. So it's but it's, it's kind of like you're on CDJs yeah, anyway. It wasn't. Like it wasn't too much. Yeah, like, it wasn't too dissimilar for sure. Because I do think that's like it's obviously not something that that, that is, is 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 a huge issue in, in your life. But when like other podcasts when we've talked about you know, DJs getting like belt drive decks, then having to move from like belt drive onto turntables. And then if you've grown up at home and you've had like mm. some little cam controller and then you've got to go and suddenly you're faced yeah. with like four CDJs and yeah, you're looking at that to like, do you know what I mean? And it's like intimidating if you haven't done it. Yeah. So that worked quite well for you guys that it, it moved for almost sure. seamlessly from that controller. I mean, to- we were like <clears throat> having the background that we have is we're like, we've been very lucky to have been, basically have have the equipment because obviously that's a struggle for some people yeah a lot of people um but i mean yeah so like we're very grateful and very lucky at the fact that we do we have this equipment available to yeah. us and that we can practice on it and all that kind of stuff so i mean have you ever tried playing on that has your dad got 12 tens in the record room uh no he hasn't has he not that's interesting no. have you ever had a go on playing on vinyl and stuff Yes, I have. I have tried, and it is difficult. Yeah, <laughs> it's difficult. I mean, it was like I was something that I said to myself. I was like last summer. I was like, right, okay, I'm gonna try and mi- I'm gonna try and learn to mix vinyl. But then I was trying, and I was actually like, okay, maybe for the moment, I'm just gonna try and focus Master my efforts. What, yeah. fo- focus my efforts elsewhere. Yeah, and then if there's because obviously it's it would be an amazing thing to be able to learn to do. And I would say the most difficult part is obviously learning properly just to match the tempos. Of the, yeah, I think, I mean, it's, 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 I think it's, I think, I mean, I'm not one of, I'm certainly not one of those people who makes judgments and I wasn't asking you those questions about the, about what you used out of any judgment. It's just interesting for people listening. And for me, I certainly think learning to DJ now on violin is irrelevant really in the sense of you don't need to, not you, the, the, the Royal We or whatever. I think, it, I think the only reason one would do it is just out of interest do you know yeah. what I mean like, I don't, I, there's certainly no need for you I mean I haven't I've got my record decks and my vinyl in that cupboard and like I haven't played on vinyl for a very very long long time like especially not out I would consider getting that um, 
I would consider getting that phase thing. Have you seen the phase thing that you kind of like, it's almost like the size of a USB and you put it on the middle of your turntable and it just allows like tractor or out of DVS use. And I would consider that just for the fact of I've never, I see I've never owned CDJs because I've done so many hours on them in clubs and stuff. Yeah. But I would love to, I'd love to, I've got rid of a lot of my vinyl, um, but I would love to have my deck set up here and be able to plug my computer in and just, you know, like practice away on tractor or whatever. So that, 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 that is interesting. Um, so, okay. So we've done, we've done the, um, the gig in Camden. Yes. We've done Mambo. Not, yeah. not, not too bad a couple of gigs for the, no. the Dunmore brothers. And then, so you kind of like after that Ibiza holiday or visit, have you done any more? Were you and Lucas talking like loads about it? Like, have you got a plan? Like, obviously you're about to go back to uni. He's still yeah. like ludicrously young. So that, is, <laughs> so that was, um, where we went on to next was, um, so we had just done Mambo and I think that was at the end of July and then sh- shortly coming up was um, Defected Croatia. Yeah. And then so having ha- just done that and dad was like, okay, we'll see if we can maybe put you on a set here or there. And then so the one that we did have um, booked in was that we were going to be opening up the like the beach stage. So playing nice. from one till four um, just as everyone was coming in. Nice. And so I would say that was that was our first kind of musical test because we had gone from um obviously playing tunes that we would know and yeah. that everyone else would know but however going and then playing a much more chilled yeah um warm-up set was go it was a change for us so in that time we did have to do quite a lot of searching for music and yeah. digging and i'd say that's where we discovered maybe a little bit more like different genres so i think we went on like started to play we started at disco and then went on to play like a little bit of like light afro um yeah. and then come um, and then it, i think we took it a little bit more housey towards the end and that um on that set is on our on our soundcloud it was our cool. first set that was uploaded on our soundcloud and i just searched dumb brothers on soundcloud you gotta find yeah come cool, um and so we did that that was our oh actually i've missed the part to be fair okay so um i was already actually in croatia with um with a few of my mates and um all of my family were meant to fly out and I think all family and staff and DJs were meant to fly out to Croatia the day before the festival started. But I was already there with my friends. And um, anyway, so they were obviously planned to fly out as usual. And then on the day it was when all the BA strikes happened. So like the majority of flights were cancelled. So there was a massive stress and everyone was trying to find like rearrange flights for the DJs, for the staff, for um, my family as well so basically no one was knowing when they were going to get out to Croatia how long it was going to take and that evening they wanted to put on a, a, a pre-party at, at the resort for whoever may have been there and um, I think it actually worked out that um, myself and Jess Bays were the kind of only two people that were actually available, that were available. <laughs> nice. so um, I was I, I guess I was told like that afternoon I was um basically like if you want to there's a pre-party and you can go play back to back with Jess and nice. so I was I was like wow okay didn't didn't expect that at all and so that was again um playing back to back with someone who I I've had learned a lot from at the time yeah. for sure like she showed me like loads of different she's part of like Sam's label and yes kind of stuff, yeah, yeah she's part of Sam's label all that that was an amazing experience properly and she looked after me really like properly nicely there as well so um it's another like it's another thing that comes up so many times in the podcast where someone's like 
it's a last minute, someone can't make it, someone hasn't turned up, someone's ill. Yeah. And some DJs just like thrust into that yeah. like spot. And it's like, you know, a bit of a, a test. And like, I don't think I've, you know, maybe there, maybe there wouldn't be at the point when I'd be talking to on a podcast, but no one's ever gone. It went terribly. Everyone's always gone like, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I stepped up and I rocked it and it was great. And like, <laughs> and then everything. So yeah, that's really cool. Like, so that the pre-party and then everyone managed to go out. Okay. Yeah. Then everything, um, I was, I think it was like a bit of a planes, trains and automobiles situation. Like, yeah. Everyone was trying to find different routes and how to get there, but everyone managed to get out there cool. all okay. Um, Lucas got out as well to do that. Yeah. Us. And then Lucas managed to get out in the morning. And so we warmed up and that went, nice. that went great. And so those, I think that was the only set that we were, um, planning on playing at the festival. And then, um, oh, and then also they introduced a, um, like a new, a terrace stage this year which was basically um, for up-and-coming DJs. I think they did um, a mix competition where if you okay, send your mixes cool. in, yeah. the best, like the, the top kind of feud, be asked to play on this terrace stage, which was just basically by the um, by the restaurant and so that everyone would listen as they were eating. And so we did that as well, which, um, which was wicked. I think we played for two hours and then we had some, I think, Kenny Dope and Louis Vega and Never a few been. others of the guys... <laughs> guys are sat there having their lunch and so that was again uh yeah i mean the whole, the whole time the whole time it is that we've done it is like we have felt a little yeah a bit of pressured situation the samias the samias on and then um the last opportunity that we got to play i think it was um mambo brothers had a boat party and um i think it was initially just them that was meant to be doing it and then they asked us if they want if um uh, we wanted to come up and warm up for the first hour. Cool. And um, obviously we were, like, we were so like thankful to be asked and we did. And it was, it was amazing actually. And so on that, on that kind of boat, that was, it, that was different as well in terms of the sound that we played. So each time that we played, it was, we were playing three different kind of sounds yeah. as well. So that one was a bit, a little bit harder and um, a little bit more housey. So um, those, those are the three times we got to play in Croatia. Cool. Which were, uh, and are they the three times Oh, not, not definitely down in Croatia. Have you have you played since Croatia as a Mambo Brothers? Or is that's Dunwall Brothers? Sorry, sorry, yes, yeah, sorry, it's Dunwall Brothers. Yeah. Has that happened since um, then? So then obviously that we got back from Croatia and at that point um it was very much Lucas is going back to school, I'm yeah. going up to Newcastle yeah. for uni. So what and then my brother's in his GCSE year and I'm just coming to second year, so yeah. it's starting to work wise, it's starting to pick up a lot more. So we were quite cautious of the fact of that. And so we knew that we had to try and kind of keep people engaged. Um, And so what we decided to do was we decided to start um, our bedroom mixes on SoundCloud. Um, And so I think we've done about four or five of them at the moment. And um, it's literally just like whatever we're kind of feeling at the time that we want to do, maybe like more deep house, Afro house, like a bit more techie. But um, so we found that they've been, kind of the best way of keeping people re- like aware of what our sound is without us actually being able to play yeah. many live sets. Yeah. But then um, we had, um, when we, we went to India for Christmas, um, which was which was really nice, and Dad's got um, books for a gig in Goa. And um, again, we were, we were quite, it was quite wicked actually. We got asked to warm up for... Um, um, for dad in Goa, so we had that um, more recently. Over and that's Christmas. like a different sound again, right? Like, yeah, it was a, it was a different sound. But so by that time, it was really in between Croatia, which was September, the, like start of September to 
December. That was where, so my brother and I weren't playing. I was, I was playing by myself at uni and I was yeah. doing different bits. But and we'll come back to you, you did your own night and stuff. We'll, we'll yeah. Touch on that. Oh, that was after Christmas, wasn't it? That was, that was yeah, after but, Christmas. But you obviously, you obviously must have been thinking about it prior to that point. So at that, at that point was, we weren't really playing. So like, right. This is we're, we're just basically going to try and find as much new music as possible and yeah. try and really. We didn't. I wouldn't actually say we made a concerned effort, but just by listening to music massively, we kind of realized which genres we really loved and which we kind of would would maybe leave a bit more. And so we found ourselves naturally progressing just down like the Afro house kind of route. Okay, and um, yeah, that just ended up being like the sound that we really love to be honest with you so we started off during the Croatia set we played some like light afro um but we never really kind of got into playing a bit more deep or a bit more techie afro kind of stuff um so I'd say it's like really during that first term that I would sit in my un- room at uni and like I'd be listening to boiler rooms basically just this is in your second year so this is second year yeah yeah, yeah. And um, I would listen to Boiler Rooms, just sit there shazamming. I'd be out clubbing, shazamming. And then Lucas, I think, would be basically ra- trying to raid dad's hard drive back at home <laughs> and see and see what um, and see what kind of stuff he could find. And then so we just basically, via that, just managed to kind of, we just realised that that was a sound that we really liked. And so I was playing... Um, did so you I come back and do, so you, did you come back and were you doing Purdue again? Or like, how, like as you were traveling back up to, I don't mean like physically traveling up, but as you were coming back to uni, obviously you've had a, an amazing summer and the Dunwell Brothers thing has been great. Yeah. What was sort of in your mind when you were getting back? Were you a bit more keen to find gigs now? Were you a bit more keen to like... Yeah, at that point I was definitely, definitely more keen to find gigs. And having done the bits that we had done over summer, like coming back to Newcastle, I noticed that um, there was a bit more interested there's there was a bit there was a few more people that were interested in me coming to play for them and cool and um which which was wicked and so i managed to i mentioned that i played one gig at block party yeah. in my first year and um, so i was still speaking to them throughout the throughout the summer and that and so i actually came back and i started to play so i played block party most weeks um during my first term and so that is um it's wicked actually because they gave me full reins as well to be they were like basically we trust that you can play we can trust that you can play music that the crowd will like and yeah. that even if you go like a little bit more off piece like just kind of bring it back to the commercial side so the thing about playing for students as opposed to playing other places is that you have to bear in mind that not everyone there like loves the same music as you you have to sometimes play some more well-known yeah vocal like vocal hooks or acapellas over the top of certain tunes but yeah. um so the the way that I kind of saw it was basically playing two tunes for myself and then one tune one tune for that's, the crowd that's a cool little fun, so yeah. Um, yeah. that's kind of when I play um more student nights I would kind of say that that's the the pattern that I would follow well not necessarily a pattern but that's, yeah, the no, that's of, cool I get that yeah. and um <clears throat> so it gave me a bit of a chance really to experiment and to kind of see how the crowd gig. would react to me playing some Afro stuff and how they would react to me playing some like some deep stuff. Um, and so it was actually just basically via like searching, searching through loads of boiler rooms, listening to like different YouTube clips. And then I think it was literally like YouTube recommended um, 
a copyright tune, like an old copyright tune. It was mm-hmm. Kame, yeah. And um, I think that was the first year I heard it. I was like, this is sick, but it's really old. Yeah. And I was like, kind of like, okay, so maybe that's like what the sound used to be like, um, that house music sound used to be like a bit more. So I did, did a bit more searching, a bit more digging. And I actually found that there was so many old tunes, like really old tunes that we would actually really love. And I think that would be great at present. So um, kind of from there, just um, so basically Lucas would send me up tunes and Lucas would send me some tunes and be like, right, this is sick. This is sick. I would send him some tunes and be like, yeah, this is cool. And then I would just be, go and test them on like students. And cause obviously students being young, seeing how they react to them is, yeah. Um, yeah. is um, yeah, quite important. And then, so it was more, yeah, that, that the, the deeper kind of more techie Afro stuff that people seem to really enjoy. And so it was um, halfway through first term, I actually went to go and see Chaos and CBD yeah. at um, Cosmic Ballroom. And I, I, I remember being there um, and I was just there with a few mates and I was, I was thinking, I was like, yeah, this is cool. Like the, the venue's sick. And I was like, I want to try and put on my own night. And then I actually was like, actually, I want to put on my own Afro house night. Um, and so that was where I got... Yeah, that was when I first initially thought of, yeah. Um, yeah, just trying, basically trying to come up with, trying to push Afro House and make it relevant and something that people should know know about a bit more. Cool. So, and that's, yeah. so that's, so that's kind of like, that's, and if, what other gigs are you, you doing block party on a, this is term two for yeah. Christmas, doing block party on a regular basis. <laughs> what was the, did you, did you play digital before that? Did you do? No, I've, um, I haven't actually, I haven't played digital So you yet. did it with MK? Yeah. What day is that? Really? Uh, I think that's 17th of, maybe 16th or 17th. But maybe. we'll come back and like name check some stuff sure. where they can find that out. So you have, so, okay, so, so you, was there anything else that you, prior to organising your own night, mm-hmm. you're doing um, Block Pite on a Friday, did you do anything else in Newcastle in that like kind of turn? Yeah, so I did, I played um, Loco a few times at MSA. Cool. Which was wicked. That was Sean. That was with Sean Harrington. Shout out to Sean Harrington, first podcast on yes. this on this <laughs> on this series. Go it. back and check out Sean's. Oh, actually, funny enough, story with Sean goes a bit deeper than that, actually, because I was in back in in Ibiza in the summer. I was in DC ten, yeah, and like we kind of knew of each other, um, but had never met each other. And then I just got um, <laughs> are we? I was with my sister, and we tapped someone on the shoulder and asked them if they can take a photo for us. And taps on the shoulder, and it turned out to be Sean Harrington. So we just no got way. having a chat, <laughs> having a chat. Yeah, literally, it's it was pretty surreal. Amazing. And so that was the first time I ever met Sean was in DC Ten, and um, yeah, so he did. He literally just we started having a chat, and then I like, went to bar, just got a drink, and then obviously just was like, okay, let's definitely try and meet up, keep in touch when we get back to Newcastle. Yeah, man. Um, and then, so I've, since then I've like, I've built up a great relationship. Yeah, he's a really nice guy, man. Really, really nice guy. And, um, massively helped me out with loads of bits. And so, so you've done some locos with him. Yeah. I played loco with him. And then I also, um, did the odd gig back at Purdue as well, just kind of every now and then. Um, and then, yeah, they were the three kind of main ones that I played. So so let's talk through, because I think this is important for, people are listening or whatever out there because people might not have done their own gig so so just let's so you've had you've been in cosmic you've had this idea wow i'd really like to do my own thing yeah um just you know talk us through like the process like who did you contact how did you go about it 
like, yeah, just like, you know, how did you even get, because obviously we'll finish on the bit of you doing United, but how did you even like start? Who did you go to? How did you, how did you start out? So, and the brand, how did you come up yeah, with the name? So like, for, for a while I was, it's been on my mind for a while, a long time that I'm basically thinking I want to put on my own night and that I do want to see it progress, but I just didn't actually, I could never see a way of it really being successful without kind of having a major differentiation. And um, there's like, there are a lot of house music nights in Newcastle. There are a lot of disco nights in Newcastle. And so maybe necessarily just putting on a house and house music night and booking, booking an artist that may not have done what I wanted to achieve as sort. So I was kind of thinking of a way around it. And so it was at this point in Cosmic that I was like, right, I think Afro house could work and I'm going to try it. And then so from that point, I think I was going home and so I went, I was just like speaking to Dan. I was like, actually, I've decided, actually, so initially it started off, I was like, could be Deep House, it could be Afro, could be more like Acid House, but I'm not sure. And then so I went home, spoke to dad, and he was like, almost like, are you sure? Like, are you sure Afro House is going to work in Newcastle? And so just from there, it was like, okay, as, like, as long as you're sure. Um, then he's like, basically like, go for it. And so I was just, I knew that it was going to be quite a challenge because it's something that I basically went around speaking to people and I was like, I'm going to put on Afro house night. And they were like, what's Afro house? I literally didn't, didn't, it was a concept that is quite new to new to people. So it's going to be a challenge to get people down and introduce the idea. So there were two kind of main venues that I had in mind, um, which were cosmic and um, the cut. And so for people who don't know, cosmic is like a small, cool venue probably holds about 300 in the main room it's got a cool little upstairs sort of boudoir kind of yeah. thing as well the cut is kind of a cool it's a venue above somewhere else but again it's kind of a one room venue yeah again probably 250 300 cap ish yeah, so i would say it's more um i think cosmic i think just got recently recently refurbed so it's a bit bigger it's a bit bigger okay and um so maybe five six hundred downstairs in cosmic potentially okay. yeah now and um but both of them are kind of similar, quite similar clubs, like great sound system, great light system as well. So, cool. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. And um, so anyway, I ended up going for the cut and um, I, that was where I had my first event. And yeah, it was, it was so how did you get in work. contact with them? How did you get like, how did you get? Just via Facebook. I just messaged the page being, just saying I'm, <laughs> cool. I'm interested in putting on my own event. Um, kind of like, who would I get in contact to? So send me an email address. Um, like Nigel. No, they put me in touch with a guy called Cristiano. Okay, yeah. And um, so from there, I just went in, went in, met, went for a meeting with him, and he was kind of just like, okay, I have a lot of students that come down and tell me that they want to put on their own night, but don't actually <laughs> do it, re- yeah, or realize the kind of the work that promoting yeah. entails. And he's like, you, so you're going to do this on your own? I was like, yeah, I'm going to try and do it on my own. I, I think that I'd be able to and I didn't mention um kind of like the background that I had and um and Cristiano might not know just from you saying he, to be he, fair he did like, I don't think they were aware no um, well I know that because I saw on the post like Mella the guy who obviously owns digital he kind of did he said I didn't even know this was going on like and when he tagged your dad and stuff and you so yeah and, and obviously like if you're into house music you're going to recognize that surname yeah no it's no disrespect or fault to Cristiano to not pick up on that to be fair no so, no no not at all um but it's, and it's something that I would just rather go in as 
and myself just saying that I, I this is something that I want to do. Um, and it makes it a much more valid story for everyone listening because you went through the same process that everyone else will go through. You know, you might message the page, got given an email, went for a meeting, mm-hmm. um, and did they? You don't have to tell me how much, but obviously you had to pay a higher fee. Yeah, so I had to yeah. just, um, and it was it was great actually to understand it, just to go through the processes and understand how all of this how all of this stuff works. What I've learned, or this is what I might do differently, or um, I would say if ha- having having going through the process again, I would say that I definitely made the right decision in waiting and finding the right night for me instead of just saying that I wanted to put on any regular night and kind of like finding my niche and my differentiation. I'd say cool. that that's the biggest thing that I would say helped me because it's, it just means I can shout about it a lot more and say like, yeah. look, I'm, I'm trying to be a bit different. Come check it out. You may like it. You may not like it as well equally. Like, so I'm sure well, I'm hoping that there weren't that many people that came down that didn't like it. But in terms of the energy of the crowd, it was people seemed like they were having a great time. And then from the feedback I got, they were like, yeah, it was something completely different. So no, I think that's great advice. Um, um, so going forwards, um, obviously in the MK date, you're coming to do um, a date for us. I'm looking at my calendar now. You're coming down. It's we're recording in the start of March. You're going to come and do um, Vibe of Us on the 21st of March. What else have you got? in the diary for from now until kind of the end of the academic year have you got anything else in newcastle in yeah the diary? so i am um, i'll get my diary out actually yeah are you still are you still doing block party on a regular basis on a friday so yeah so I, I play block most weeks probably not as consistently as i did last term but um so this weekend i'm um i believe i'm warming up for low stepper at work oh yeah nice because we were yeah. gonna try and, yeah right i get you so that's so that is is that like the sixth or something is that friday the sixth? yeah that's seventh of march, 7th of march saturday seventh yeah. uh, low stepper up, yeah. low stepper and then Shout out from to the, Will bailey yes <laughs> legend and then um, and then from there i'm coming to play for you guys yeah, 21st. Um, on the 21st and then actually on the monday the 23rd with I'm announcing it today, actually. Cool. Um, is going to be the next Sondella in Newcastle. Amazing. Um, and exclusive. I mean, this won't go out before that. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but nice one, man. Um, cool. So that's when, uh, and so it's three weeks from today, but. And who, like I say, I, this won't go out before you announce it. So yeah, who's sure. on the lineup? Um, so this, got? so this time I'm going to, I'm keeping it more just kind of resident space. So it's myself, Sean Harrington, cool. and then a new DJ called Will Suckliffe, who nice. I know, I knew through uni. And then um, Shovel's also going to be there on percussion as well. So it's going to be kind of similar format, similar thing, just slightly different DJ, and then hopefully try and get a few more people to come down this time. Nice, sure. Yeah, um, cool. So excited for that. And, and then you've got MK, is that shortly after that? Yeah, I've got, uh, that's on the 17th of April. With KC Lights as well. With KC yeah, Lights, is that, yeah. is that the first time playing Digital Main Room? Yeah, first time cool, playing man. Digital Main Room. you enjoy that? Oh, and I've, I haven't, I didn't mention actually, so... On the Saturday just gone, um, I played, it was my, my first time I played in Cosmics. So I played Wicked. Um, I played Room Two for Dusky on upstairs. Saturday. Nice. Yeah, I played Room Two for Dusky on Saturday. Shout out to Gabriel. Um, yeah, and then this Saturday coming up, I was my debut at Worldies for Low Stepper, and then nice. my debut at Digi. And um, not a bad term, mate. No. Yeah. <laughs> and so, what are the plans for? Like, what are the plans for this summer? Is it is it back to like? Like, it's not a difficult one, I guess, but, like, is it back to Dunmore Brothers? Is it going to be more, like, Louis Dunmore individual shows in the summer when you're away? Have you got plans for Ibiza from Croatia, or is it still a bit up in the air, or what's your, what's, how's your head? 
it's um it's it's a difficult one to to be able to say actually because I do predominantly stuff up here in the northeast by yeah. myself and then the reasons as to why we don't do more stuff together is just purely because geographical brother, and age geographical yeah. age um my brother's got exams coming up and my obviously parents are quite um yeah he needs to make sure that he's he's doing what he needs to do and that he's not distracted in any way so it's like it would be a difficult one to tell for summer to be honest with you but um i mean i'm i know that so dumbo brothers are going to be playing in ibiza cool. um playing at eden and then nice. playing in croatia as well for defect creation and i think those are the only two kind of set ones that we have in so far i'm pretty sure a few more things will fall in mate yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna we'll say see. yeah we'll, uh we'll see hopefully cool um, and have you got plans so you're gonna you bring back your night um you said 20 this this is gonna go announce it on the uh, 23rd are you gonna is ideally are you gonna keep that going are you gonna do another one before the end of the academic year or uh is this sondella in newcastle yeah i don't know i'm not asking for a date but is the for idea sure. is the idea you're gonna try and keep these going like once a term or something yeah, so like, my my idea was initially just to do the first one see how it goes and then i want i really want to try and get the second one in before term ends just to whilst to kind of that's, build, a, that's a pretty good date isn't to it? build that's, up on the hype it's um that's just pre-easter kind of break and stuff isn't it yeah it's just the last week before we um everyone goes back yeah for holidays and then i mean i would love to be able to fit another one in this um it's a tricky one term three, though, yeah, yeah. Term three with exams and yeah all that kind of stuff. So I'm, I basically see how possible cool. it is to be able to get another one in. But. And then you'll be back up for your third year. Um, yes. And then if I'm going to ask you right now, mm-hmm. you let's wind forward like 13, 40 months, graduate, obviously with a really good degree and your dad's really happy and everyone else is really proud. Yeah. What, what's, what's in your mind now, again, I'm not like trying to dig stuff out of the deep and darkest, sure. you know, but in your mind now, What's the plan? Is it is it music? Are you looking at a job? Is it like what? Where does your mind sort of wander when you're on your own and you've got a bit of thoughts going on? What's your plans now when you graduate? I mean, I haven't thought that far ahead in terms of okay. such. A, I mean, like I can't, with everything, I'm just kind of taking stuff as it comes because we. Li- I literally have not had no idea how that first Sondella party was going to go. I've no yeah. idea how the next one's going to go. Yeah, and so the whole time I've just been kind of just seeing seeing where everything goes but like the one thing that I need to ensure is the fact that obviously with a lot of distractions going on that I actually keep keep focused and maintained on my degree and so that I actually managed to come out with of Newcastle with decent decent what you came for business, basically. basically what I came and what, for, and, for and, sure. and, and then like I mean this is not what this podcast is about but it would be remiss of me just out of my own personal interest to not ask you if you just ignore music for a tiny second, yeah. what did you come to, you know, what was the, what did you come to uni thinking you would do after uni? Like, you know, like, or did you not? Was it just like, I'm going to go and do a, a degree and then we'll see what happens? Or was there something in the side of your mind, you know, that was like, what did you want to be when you were a kid? Has there been something yeah. else there or do you not really so, know? I mean, throughout like, throughout school, I would say throughout everything, throughout life, I would really say that I've always had a, a natural interest in business and yeah. kind of, the way things work so yeah entrepreneurial kind of stuff so throughout school I was um I was like the sweet seller and um, so <laughs> for, for about three years <laughs> mate, um, that is so funny yeah. right I, I, my my best mate is a stand-up comic right and he does a podcast it's called Adam and Dan have a word right he's a yeah. special comic and I was just listening to an episode before I was out 
and uh, is Adam who's talking about spending selling sweets in a, in a, in a shop in Liverpool. I was just messaged him going, me and my mate did that. Like yeah. my mate's dad was like, you know, he used to take us to Booker and we'd buy the sweets and sell it. So like yeah. the fact that you said that as well yeah. is like, so every school must have had one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was that very much that dad, dad took me to, Amazing. to Booker or Costco on the weekend. And, um, but yeah, I was took it in. It was all, it was, yeah, undercover business. The teachers, Amazing. teachers didn't know it was going on. I think it took me, I, I think I was doing it for about two and a half years before I got caught. And then, yeah, then couldn't, then couldn't go. <laughs> Adam, on this other podcast, Adam was like, his business teacher caught him. And, he, and Adam was like, but it's a business, mate. Yeah. And he was like, and his business teacher probably went, oh, okay, give us a, give us a LucasAid and, uh, and a packet of discos and we'll let you off. Um, I wish cool, it was that you, yeah. <laughs> A different, different no, world. Yeah, that was it. Once I was caught, I was done. It so, was over. Yeah, cool. it was the end, end of that business. But, um, but no, you've so always say, had that spirit. So you? I'd say, yeah, yeah from, um, from school, I would always say that business was an interest of mine and I took it at A-level as well. And then it was that. And then also the fact that I would say I literally didn't and still don't actually know what I would want to do after uni. Don't and, anyone, doesn't it? Don't no, exactly. And so... I would say that I picked business because it's an interest of mine. And also yeah. I, from my perspective, I think it's got most relevance to, um, like to loads of different fields, whatever it may be. It's cool. kind of present in a lot of stuff. So. Yeah. If people want to find out more about you, more about the, I mean, musically, not personally, uh, the Dunmore brothers, everything else, yeah. where can they find your music? Where can they find your Insta? What's all the tags? And all that kind um, of so Instagrams, I think mine is just Louis underscore Dunmore and Lucas is just Lucas underscore Dunmore. And then Instagram again, our joint account is called Dunmore brothers. Cool. And then, um, I think the link to our SoundCloud is also on our Dunmore brothers page, but, if you want to hear like the sound that we play, there's a, there's quite a wide variety across our SoundCloud mixes. So our first like beach stage mix is like much more chill, and then our, I think our first bedroom mix is a bit more housey. And then yeah, so there's just a bit of variation throughout. There's some goes through some Afro stuff, cool. some, like some deep stuff. So yeah, it's, it's I would say that's mainly Instagram and SoundCloud are the main two. Nice one, right? Well, we're going to wrap up the podcast in the same way as usual. Um, which is basically, I'm going to get you to curate like a sort of fantasy gig that you want to either attend or be part of or be playing at. Um, so you can choose any venue you like. It can be, uh, it could be a festival stage. It could be a little dingy club. It could be anything you want, but it can be real or fake or whatever. Uh, and then I want three acts. Um, so I want, um, no one's really headlining, but it's just we've got three separate acts. They can be bands, they can be DJs, they can be back to backs, they can be live things, whatever you want. So. Louis, where are we going to hold this gig? Well, uh, for starters, I'll definitely be partying at it. <laughs> I think if I'm going to see three of my favourite DJs, I'll definitely be partying. Nice and then um, venue-wise, when I'm out, I actually quite prefer to be watching a DJ that I love in an intimate venue where you're close, where there's like you can feel the atmosphere, you can feel the energy. So I think I would maybe say a boat party. I think there's something quite special about... Um, being there, listening to your favorite act, your favorite music, and then just being able to look out and and just be, the, see the sun or the sea or the sunset, whatever the scenery may be. I think that there's definitely something pretty magical about that. Um, artist wise, music wise, uh, the first act I'd probably go for would be Ramper, um, just cut because it's, I'm listening to a lot of his stuff at the moment, a lot cool. of his boiler rooms. I'd say it's really, um, 
kind of influenced the route that we've started to go down recently. They've got a bit of an Afro tip. Yeah, a bit, of Af- a bit of Afro, so, like some more on the chilled side of it okay. and then um, going into some heavier stuff. And then, yeah, going into some heavier stuff, I'd maybe say Martinez Brothers is my second one. Nice. Um, it just, I haven't actually heard them play yet. This on the top of my list, um, definitely in Ibiza this year. Yeah, I'm sure that I'm going to catch them at some yeah. point. And then... The third artist that I would go for would be Honey Dijon at the moment. Just yeah, I, like I, the energy that surrounds her like, as she's playing, um, everything that she manages to do, like she just is so engaged with the crowd. I feel like, especially at an intimate party, that that she would be pretty special. Nice so, one, man. Well, all I'm going to say is let me know when this boat party's happening. Get me on the guest list. I'll yes. Be it sounds like a wicked plan. Thank you so much for coming and having a chat in my house, man. Uh, and uh, I hope to see you soon. We'll actually see you at um, Vibe on the 21st. So anyone who wants to come and see Louis play. And when rep your party again, when is it? Uh, 23rd, Monday 23rd. At the Cup? In Newcastle, yes. Sondela. Sondela. Nice one, man. Good to see you. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Bye. Felix Leiter's In The House, the podcast about DJs, what they do and who they are.